and welcome to Buzzing About Romance podcast. I am Becky. And And I'm Leah. That's Leah. Leah. (laughs) Okay, so just so everyone knows why we're laughing like idiots, um, I totally started to read the intro from a past episode. I printed off the wrong intro outro doc. So anyway. It's, okay, it's, it so is what it is. Do I need to read this then? Yes. What are we talking about on this episode? On this episode of Buzzing About Romance, we have an author spotlight for you. We are talking to author Roxy Noir. And we find a little bit about her and the story she writes, her inspiration and what is next for her. Do I need to read the bio too? No, I can do that. I can do that. Okay. Uh, Roxy is a romance author by day and also a romance romance author by night she lives in los angeles with one husband two cats far too many books and a truly alarming pile of used notebooks that she refuses to throw away she's the author of the loveless Brothers series the upcoming wildwood society series and a bunch of other books that are also delightful sounds like you a bunch of used notebooks you i throw my notebooks away okay let's get to the interview Roxy um we you have been on our TBR list uh for a long time everybody recommends you like constantly Mm -hmm. every time uh when we first started our book club everyone was like oh we should read and it's the Loveless Brothers series I apparently they fit into every trope and category (laughs) (laughs) they do have a lot of those um I don't know there's like five dudes you gotta have five different Mm -hmm. ways of finding love yeah or whatever that's fair um so we just bef- we're doing these episodes we call them our author spotlights where we let our listeners kind of get to know you as the author so we're just gonna kind of <laughs> ask you some random questions and get to know you a little bit so go for it uh first question are you a reader of romance yeah of course um, you would be surprised you would there be are surprised. romance authors that have never read a romance book how do you we don't do you know. never read one i i go through phases where i read tons of romance and phases where i read no romance like i'm mm-hmm. i'm like very much a mood reader like i'm pretty sure there's you know maybe like a year in there where i don't think i read anything that wasn't like a murder mystery some of them had romance murder mysteries don't usually have very good romance in them uh <laughs> So you're really there for the murder, not the romance. So that's fine. Um, I lately I've been reading just like nothing except like queer historical romance, pretty much. Some hockey. Some <laughs> like, hockey. <laughs> there's is, some good. There's some good queer romance out there now, and some great. I feel rep. like I could tell you all about it. Just well, tell us all about it. I mean, <laughs> honestly, well, wait, okay, so you're reading so much of it. Is it inspiring you? Because I don't, you haven't written a male-male romance, have you? Or a female-female? No. Nope. Uh, so is it inspiring you to maybe put a queer romance out know. in the world? Like, it's not, not exactly that. Um, it's kind of fun. I kind of like reading stuff that isn't exactly like what I write because if Mm -hmm. I read too many like rom-coms about straight people then it gets really easy to be like oh I should be doing this and I should be doing this and this person is doing this way better than me and like then I get super locked up and can't 
right mm-hmm. things myself. Um, so I don't, I would, if like the right character and story came along, I would happily write some queer romance. Um, I'm definitely not opposed to it. It's not, I currently have like the next several books sort of mapped out. Well, not mapped, they don't map. Loosely, um, loosely mapped. I sort of know what their deal is. Like I know who's in them. Um, and beyond that, like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, what was the question? Oh, would I write queer romance? I would. I have no plans for it currently. So um, are you one of the authors that, like, the characters speak to you? Or are you, do Do you hear voices in your head? No, that's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that is something that I thought people were lying about until recently. Um, which is, like, so it's one of those, so I, like, did a bunch of like creative writing in college and grad school and stuff and like always people are always like oh the characters speak to me and I always thought that it was like sort of a figure of speech or that people were like trying to make themselves sound like really cool and writery and like artistic like this is my muse um by saying that and they're just like sure they speak to you Uh uh-huh whatever um but then I was talking to an author friend who was like, yeah, I know it's like people are doing stuff in my brain and I write it down. And I was like, it's not, what? Because <laughs> I don't, that doesn't, no. It doesn't work it, that way for you. Not quite. Like, it's sort of like a movie, but I'm the director. Like, I'm there to like rearranging them. They're not their own deal. Like, they don't have agency. I can control him. So I have to ask because I have a guess here. Um, are you a pantser or a planner? I'm a terrible pantser. Really? <laughs> now, see, I would have guessed that you were more of a plotter planner because um, the way, you know, we tend to hear from the pantsers that the characters talk to me and I'm trying to move them one way and they say, no, no, no. You're going this clear other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have guessed that you were a plotter planner. <laughs> no, I I don't like I've never felt the characters are separate entities the way that some people describe. Like I very much have to decide what they're gonna do. Like it sounds kind of nice to not have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I also don't. I feel like it's hard for me to understand how they are and what they would do without mm-hmm. just writing it down. Like I, plotting has never stuck for me for more than, I can plot like a little bit of a book, like maybe the, like a chapter or two in advance and sort of like know what's going to happen, but I don't, like it's, it all changes so easily when I like actually write it down and I'm like, somebody says something and then you're like, oh, actually that is, yeah, that's a way better idea than what I had, isn't it? Like, we'll go that direction. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I only know these things when they come out of my brain onto the page. Um, I can't know them while they're just in my brain for whatever reason. I always love this question because it's interesting to see like how different every single author's like processes, whether they're a pants or a planner, like even the pantsing process is really different author to author. Yeah. Um, and for me, frustratingly, it tends to be pretty different from book to book. 
which is not my favorite. <laughs> it would be nice. Like this is my 16th book that I'm like releasing in a little over two. Well, when did this come out? Uh, this the, drops the on the 15th. Soon. So, so like 10 okay. days. <laughs> 10, okay, days. 10 days. It is like my 16th book. And mm-hmm. you would think that at some point in writing 16 books, um, you would like hammer something out. And I have not. <laughs> <laughs> it is just brand new every time. So I have a question for you. How, how do you feel about blurbs? <laughs> if you could um, see the look on her face. There's a big sigh. Wow. Blurbs. Okay, so actually, do you want to know my craziest like blurb? What's of course we do. I, do. I don't read blurbs when I get books. No, Becky doesn't I, I just Okay, that's... Somebody made me feel like I was crazy for just like, I read books almost entirely off a of recommendation. Um, oh, like, I just off a title, basically. Like if there's title, one or two really? words in the title, like if the word nanny is in the title, in it. If the word daddy is in the title, I'm on it. <laughs> like, um, like it really doesn't. Yeah, no. I oh. off a title. I don't even go in. Sometimes it can be a trope, like um, a recent favorite author that I found simply because she was doing like a TikTok and she said, it's a rock star single dad. I was like, in, I had never read a stinking thing by Is this that author. that started the summer of Salmon? That started the summer of Salmon. Julie Salmon, I like went down this rabbit okay. hole and read every book of hers in like over the 4th of July weekend. Like it was six days of me texting everybody going, who's reading this? Why aren't you reading this? Why am I the only one reading this? But I went off simply because she did a TikTok that said it was a rock star trope with a single dad. I'm like, in. Where that's, do I sign up? That's wild. It's you know, time. I read like basically based entirely on recommendations from like the people who I think who have like recommended me good books before. Um, yeah. But like, I just don't read the blurb. Like the blurb never tells me what I actually want to know about a book, which is like, is it good? Every blurb says yes. Um, like, is there like really good chemistry in it? Again, every blurb will tell you yes. Like, what are the characters like? How is the banter? Like, are the sex scenes hot? Like, these are the things that I really want to know that blurbs, and every blurb is just like, these characters are incredible. The chemistry, so good. The sex scenes, incredible. Like. <laughs> And, but like every blurb says that and they're not all true. So yeah, this is true. Why? We don't even take like the whole spicy, like everyone will be like, oh, it's like four chili peppers. We don't even take their word for that anymore. We came up with our no. own system because I got burned and I got oh, burned yeah. like 12 alarm fire burned on a book. Tell me. I, so I got Supposedly. recommended a book that was really super sexy and spicy and it was like trending everywhere and i'm like oh okay it wasn't it closed door yeah it fade to fucking black how who dare does they? that how who, dare who they? says this is Becky the sexiest book to me one time it did it one time it was christmas i don't even like the holidays but no was, so we so we did away with the spicy chart and yeah. becky created pop when right. percentage of put out of put out so when the 
main characters of the book have on screen or rather on page action. Now, huh. the definition of pop can vary book to book because every once in a while there's like a really, really, really intense like mutual masturbation scene and that counts as pop. But most of the time yeah. it is only when. But it's the percentage when, of the book I have to read in order to see some kind of steamy, sexy, ex action. extremely steamy action. Yeah. <clears throat> so like Just a hot kiss doesn't always count no it doesn't but there was i mean like someone has to orgasm right i feel like that's yeah a good, mm -hmm. pretty that's much a yes it must like, be yeah. involved it doesn't count if there's no so because i actually somebody I, I did a book wreck on tiktok and someone commented they were like can you please give us the spicy peppers for each of these titles and i'm like no but you can find their pop score on our website because we do not do spicy <laughs> jokes because i got burned people I got burned hard. That's, whoever told you that, I think you should cut them out of your lives. Right? <laughs> Nobody needs that kind of negativity. I, I really like struggle. A of Fade to Black. I mostly, well, and I've read a couple of Fade to Black that are that are well done, but I knew going in that it was a Fade to Black. Aiden Ellis does an amazing thing. job with Fade to Black. She has really great chemistry mm -hmm. and her books Fade to Black. Wait, who that? Aiden Ellis? Ellis? Oh, okay. She has really but cute it's, character It's one of those things like covers. we have to know going into it because then we don't have expectations of pop. And they're not, yeah. and do not recommend me your Amish love stories or your um, sweet, because if anybody is praying to a real God and not just to the, oh God, that's a penis God, I ain't got time for that either. Like someone sent me a Christian romance and I'm like, that's okay for you, but. <laughs> Becky's like, have you people. heard me speak? <laughs> right. I also don't like the pepper scale or the fire scale because one, there's no definition. Mm -hmm. of like, it's all maybe arbitrary. my three peppers is your sixteen peppers. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And also, all of those tend to really like heavily favor like kink in romance. Mm -hmm. Um, like kink well, and don't... BDSM, which like, I don't even think they do kink. Great. Yeah, well, most my, of the so people. My thing is that like a lot of times, like a book with one spanking scene will automatically get like you know the sixteen peppers, right? Even if there's like two sex scenes overall, and it's not that's that all like a, that's a one yeah. pepper, two sex yeah, scenes. Maybe. It's a one pepper, um, right? And the, like also, I've been reading romance like, forever, and I grew up like you know in the worlds of Laverle Spencer and Jude Devereaux and Joanna Lindsay where. A lot of times, consent is dubious in those books. <laughs> if, if even dubious, if there ever really was. Mm -hmm. So my I'm my spice scale is going to be skewed, and I also, you know, I read all the kinky books that came out after Fifty Shades and all of those, and so I don't know. Because anyway. you're, I a also good girl. get very defensive about. <laughs> I am a good girl. Shut up. <laughs> I also get very defensive about like people automatically giving vanilla books like lower spice ratings because there's some really fucking hot vanilla stuff out yes. there. Like vanilla tea, yes. vanilla is a spice, you guys. Mm -hmm. I don't need a book it's to have very, people have it can to be very, tasty. very sexy. Vanilla can be very tasty. And and like in general, like kink on its own does not entice me towards a book like there mm -hmm. are kinky books that I like there are kinky books that I don't like but yep. it's like on its own like 
doesn't really do it for me in the absence of like also sexual chemistry, mm. which see, and I think it's chemistry that is more important. I want intensity. I also want intimacy. And that is something that I struggle with, with some of these people like, Oh, this book is so great. <clears throat> they kiss three times and there's maybe two sex scenes. How is there any chemistry in that? Like they well, drink some the coffee is- together. I read a book the other day. I cannot remember for the life of me what it was, but the way the author described like him, like cupping his hand, like on her cheek, I was like, holy hot damn. Like that is like adorable and sweet. And I love that. And it's like, you could feel like their connection in the way the author described it. But it's like, people would be like, this means nothing, but it meant a lot. Like the way it was written. I think vanilla, I think vanilla sex, quote unquote books, can be just as spicy as books with big kink in them. Mm-hmm. I, I just want, I, int- I want intimacy. At the end of the day, I want connection and intimacy. So, and people and make like, me mad. I really, like what I really want in a sexy book. Look, by the way, I write pretty sexy books. Like they really, there's always like lots of banging, people bang a lot. Um, lots of banging. <laughs> I'm Californian, so I talk all the time. Um, but like, I don't, so like the pop skill doesn't necessarily do it for me because I don't necessarily want them like having sex at 10% in if they not, mm-hmm. what I really want is like, I want to want them to have sex mm-hmm. for a while before they actually do it. Because like, I mean, and to be fair, like some of my very favorite books have sex in the first chapter. Like um, <clears throat> there's a really, really good book by KG Charles who writes historical queer stuff um, called A Seditious Affair. And it opens on like two characters in a kinky sex scene, like nice. doing BDSM. And it's one of those books that like, if you told me about it, I'd be like, I don't think that's for me. Um, spoiler alert, it's super for me. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but that's like every rule can be broken. Like you think something won't work until somebody makes it work and then it works so like mm-hmm. that book's incredible heated rivalry the like everybody's favorite hockey romance like the first the prologue has sex in it and it's yeah. still great like i do like a slower burn i just need to it, know well, that i'm going it into it makes sense like the slow burn has to like i read rebecca yaros's new book the, uh, yesterday i still have like a book hangover from it it was a slow burn, but there was so much chemistry and so many like moments where it's like, they almost like made that step, but it would have taken away from the story if they had sex sooner. And it's like, it worked so well with the way she wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Roxy, do you have a favorite romantic trope? It can be to read or to write. Or I both. think probably my favorite for probably both is just like lust to love. Mm-hmm. Um, I love a book where people like fall into lust first and then through the process of having a lot of sex discover that they are actually also in love. Um, <laughs> romance, guys. <laughs> um, but I also really enjoy, I like writing friends to lovers. <clears throat> um, I think that it's really hard to find good friends to lovers because a lot of the times you're like, you could just be kissing, guys. 
there's no reason that you're not kissing Becky um, she's like your soul sister in this I hate I actually you don't despise friends to lovers it has to be done really well to make me believe there's a reason that they never like you said why didn't you just kiss 10 years ago why didn't you just kiss three and I'm sorry I when I was single I drank a lot I randomly kissed people. I mean, I've been married for like 24 years or 23 years. So, I mean, that was in the 90s when people did that. I would randomly make out with people. We did that after the 90s, too. So, so, I mean, I'm just saying. continued to exist well into the 2000s, I promise. Good. Glad to know it wasn't just me. But, like, I don't, I just don't understand the concept that there was never the right moment. There was never just that one moment where you kissed them. If you, I don't know. So, like, Friends to lovers has to be done right. Do believe it. My husband and I were like best friends in college for like a year and a half before um, we got drunk and made out. <laughs> See, but it's so, the like, alcohol. You got drunk and made out. I know. The first time we made out, we weren't drunk. Oh. The next time, the then we never mind. This is a whole story. Um, <laughs> but like, so I kind of, I. It's hard to do, but I, when it's done well, it's like really done well because I totally mm. believe that like we're friends and we have this like precious, strange, like best friendship where mm-hmm. like we snuggle while watching movies sometimes and like have both like ditched dates to go hang out with the other person platonically. And so where there's this like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> Hold on, Roxy sorry. just went like dark. Did I die? I'm down. Okay. And she's back. Sorry. It's okay. I'm in like a WeWork co-working space and I guess it's after hours and so all the motion detectors lighting went off. I don't know. I don't because I'm not dead. It's fine. Um but there's this thing of friends to lovers where you're like, okay, I have this like incredibly precious relationship in my life that's like the most important thing. And people who kiss are also people who break up. Mm-hmm. So, like, is it worth screwing up, like, this major cornerstone of my life to, like, get this other major cornerstone, or should I just chill? And so, but that's also really hard to write, especially in a book that's a romance, because everyone reading it knows they're going to kiss. So, like, right. it's hard to find done well, but, like, so good when it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, when it is, I will rave and rave and rave about it. But a lot yeah, of some times, some of your favorite books are friends to lovers. Some of my favorite books are friends to lovers. But then there are other times they just fall a little bit short, and um, so I do send a lot of hate to that. And well, mostly just friends to lovers is who gets most of my hate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have a tro- <clears throat> good. Do you have a trope you will likely never write? Uh, there's a couple. I'm probably never gonna write a book with daddy in the title. Sorry. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> when you there's, said that, there's I was just plenty like, others no. for us to get to. There's, so there's so everybody um, else is covering. You don't need to. There's, I probably will never, the big one is like anything with a pregnancy in like the main couple's journey. Um, mm-hmm. especially accidental pregnancy. Um, I just, that's like the one trope that I simply will not read ever. Mm -hmm. If anything else, I'm willing to give a shot. Because like some of my favorite books have super surprised me. Like I'm not really into BDSM and I'm not really into age gap. But 
uh, Alexis Hall's For Real is a BDSM age gap book that I love. So like, why not try everything once? Um, no, but the thought of like accidentally getting pregnant with someone that you barely know and then raising that baby together and like trying to have a romance stresses me out so much that I simply cannot enjoy it. Like, I'm also team uh, if straight people are having like intercourse and there's no mention of birth control, like I have DNF books for this because I'm just like, this, you're telling me there's gonna be a baby and I am not interested. <laughs> Thank you for trying. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. I, yeah, it's, it's weird to read. So I've been reading romance since 1990. And honestly, if you look back at society in the nineties, which I was, you know, a teen young adult condoms in the talk of that, we didn't necessarily talk about it, but everybody was using them because of the AIDS epidemic. So like it was a big deal, but it wasn't ever mentioned. But if you think of the people that were writing the books, then they were like my mother's age. And so they just didn't talk about birth control. They just didn't um, talk about condoms and such. And it was, it's interesting as I think about the books that I've read over the space of the early 2000s. And even it wasn't really until like 2010, 2012, I would say that talk of condoms and the birth, the, you know, protection the birth control like was more common on page in romance books. Previous to that, not mentioned. <clears throat> I feel not like it's up. basically standard now. Like mm-hmm. yeah. most books have, except in historicals, I guess, but like most of them have some line about like a crinkling foil packet, mm-hmm. which is, that's all I need. Just, I need to know <laughs> that we're being safe. Please. Well, that or, you know, the discussion of, you know, are you protected? Because sometimes you'll see like in a friend's lovers or a second chance, like, and she'll say, you know, I have an IUD or something else that is preventative, even though sometimes those will lead to pregnancy. I've read a few of those recently, actually. Oh, no. Yeah. Tilted, I- so mad. <laughs> Tilted IUD. Anyway, <sighs> I guess it's a thing. Um. So you have been writing romance since 2016? Uh, yeah, I was doing some before that, but everything, that's when I started with like full-length novels. Um, before that was like, I wrote some like short erotica. I wrote some like novellas, but <clears throat> the first one I released, I think was April of 2016, maybe it was called Loaded. It's about, it's a kidnapping romance. Ooh. We love the kidnapping. I mean, we're big fans of the kidnapping. It's like, it's very much, why am I underselling this? It's very much like a first novel. You can sort of see me being like, is this how you do this? Um, Because I didn't like- It has kidnapping in it though. So Becky and I are there for that. We like some kidnapping. It's a love language. It's got kidnapping. It's like mostly sex. Because I was, I was like, ran out of plot and was like, they could just fuck again, I guess. <laughs> Porn without plot are some of our favorite books, is all it's I'm going to say. Ironic, but I'll, ironically, it'll be like to call like porn without plot or PWP, as we like to refer to it as, is a palate cleanser. Like after we've had like a really like hard book and we just need to like reset, mm-hmm. we'll go with like some porn without plot and it makes us feel better. I will happily take your point about plot recommendations. 
Because <laughs> I feel like it's hard to pull off well because mm-hmm. you don't you don't necessarily have that like build up going in. If on like you have three, to have that perfect like, like balance between the the plot and the porn. Yes, yes, for sure. Because you yep. still need that little like tidbit of plot for it to to work. Mostly they're novellas. <laughs> A lot of our porn without plot is novellas. We go down yeah. little rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, like the three that just came to mind for me were all like daddy what? <laughs> so not for Roxy. Do not read <laughs> Sophie T. Summer. All of hers oh, are she, like secret baby she, accidental pregnancies, daddies. All of them. No. Do not read them. They're good. Listeners, if you like those things, you should read them. But they're not for Roxy. <laughs> Roxy, stay away. <laughs> they're just not my dad. Like and they're not for Danica. Danica, if you're listening, those Danica. are not for you. Um, <laughs> so what, go back to 2016, and you said you were writing some shorter novellas and little stories and stuff like that. But what, what made you make that decision to write that first book and then... What made you press publish? Because we hear lots of stories of, well, that's in a box and it will never see the day, light of day. Um. Um, that's actually a surprisingly good question because I don't, not surprisingly good, surprisingly hard because I don't even like, I had been, so okay. Um, my whole like writing career has been a little bit weird and has been very like, jump first and look where I'm jumping once I have already jumped um which you probably shouldn't do I don't really recommend it like I like to do a thing and then figure out how to do a thing once I've already begun doing the thing um but anyway like I said so I was um okay let me set the scene it's like May 2014 (laughs) I am about to graduate from graduate school I, we are moving from graduate school back to Los Angeles where we lived before. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I've been applying for like nonprofit grant writing jobs because that's what I was doing before. And then I read on, I think it was the Jezebel blog, which may or may not even still exist. Um, they like interviewed these two writers who were making a living off of writing dinosaur erotica. And I don't think any of it's published anymore. It's probably all bestiality. But I read this article about these people who wrote like, you know, 20 page erotic charts about dinosaurs and human women. And I feel like most people's reaction was, wow, that's weird. And my reaction was, I could definitely do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had been sort of an on and off again, like romance reader, not and a lot of it was more like fantasy romance or like not straight like harlequins um Mm -hmm. so anyway I like sort of looked into it and I never I would like the record to show that I never wrote dinosaur erotica um that's probably like non-consensual because they're dinosaurs (laughs) right (laughs) but like I did start writing short erotica and this was way back like right when Kindle Unlimited started Mm -hmm. and like I won't get into like the whole business side of it but like it was easier to make money doing that back then. Um, and so I kind of was do- kind of was doing it as like a way to make money while I looked for a real job. And then at some point I realized that I was making real job money doing this. <laughs> like not a ton, but definitely like nonprofit real job money. And it was like, 
oh, maybe this is my job now. <laughs> and then as I like did it more and more, um, writing like 20 page porn gets really old pretty fast. There's only so many ways that like parts can fit together, it turns out. And at this point I have explored them all in literature. But so then I started writing like I got more into like novellas and I started writing like paranormal stuff with like shifters and whatnot. And then finally I was like, I think I just want to write a regular length novel about people who stay human and do fun human things. And so I wrote this one because it sort of seemed like fun. And I was already like publishing a lot. So I had like I sort of knew that end of it and like this is a pen name obviously Roxy um and so it wasn't this is gonna sound weird but it wasn't like a huge shift for me it was like sure I'll try this um and then it worked like it was pretty good like people liked it so I wrote another one and then I wrote another one and now it's 2022 and I'm still doing that <laughs> That's, I think that's great though. I mean, I like that sometimes I stumbled into this career, you know, working in publishing. I've always been a reader, but stumbled into the career. So I like that you kind of stumbled your way to this and found your successes because it also makes it feel achievable for other people that are thinking about, you know, writing a book or, you know, have stories and kind of makes it feel like, hey, yeah, and like, I could do that too. This whole like indie publishing deal is something that I don't think really existed 10 years ago like I think people have been doing it since 2012 but like it's In not boom the past few years yeah yeah like it's not something I learned about in college because it didn't exist when I was in college so like I don't know. feel old huh yeah <laughs> yes, we're not talking does. about that <laughs> We're not talking about was it scary putting yourself out there like when you did start to publish a little bit um not as much as it could have been because <clears throat> especially at first like I had a pen name and I didn't ever like put my face or my voice on anything until like pretty far into it mm -hmm. like I want to say like 2019 maybe is when I like first started using my face as a profile picture of places because I was like wait this is this might be my career <laughs> this might actually just be the career of my life maybe I should put my face on something um but yeah like it's not as scary as it could be partly because for a while it was like not exactly like a fake version of myself but like not my real name and like never my face so I was like, it's like a persona goes, almost yeah like if this really breaks bad I can just I right walk away I mean but, you personally might suffer heartbreak but it's not necessarily out there that the public is going to to see right, right um yeah and like because I started with such small stake stuff then it it wasn't like one day I woke up and I was like okay today's the day I become an author and publisher and will release my first ever work to the world. Like my first ever work that I released to the world was about like, you know, somebody banging the babysitter. <laughs> it was the like, um, Yeah, it, it stresses me out way more now than it did when I first started because mm -hmm. now I feel like there's expectations. Like I, 
people have actually liked my books in the past. And so now I'm like, well, what if they hate this one? What if this is the one that ruins everything? Yeah. Um, I think that every time hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it never will. Right. Well, and, and this is, this is something that I personally have experienced. I might love an author and everything they write is good, but every once in a while there will be one book that just falls short for me. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I was talking to another, I had one author got really mad at me and like blacklisted me. And then What'd I had, do? um, I gave her book a three and a half star review. How dare you? Right. Anyway, <laughs> but I was talking to a friend of mine who's also an author and she was like, um, she's like three stars. I'll take three stars. <laughs> She's like, it's okay. You don't have to love every book. I understand that sometimes maybe a character isn't something you're going to connect with. Like for you, you might love an author, but if they write something that's a pregnancy, an accidental pregnancy, you aren't going to love that book. And that's okay. doesn't mean you aren't going to try their next one. just means that particular one didn't work for you. I think every favorite author I have, like also has a book that I have either not finished or barely finished. Mm -hmm. Like that's, they're just not all going to connect with every person. Well, like, and like Becky and I say, like, for the podcast, like, there is a book for everybody, but not every book is for everybody. Like, because you can have a huge catalog of books, but there might be three or four that just don't connect. And it it happens. And it's natural and normal. And it's like, just move on. People in general, I like people, but there's quite a few people that I am not going to spend time with. Do you? <laughs> I don't really like people, actually. It's a lie, guys. Um, so one of the things that you did in the last, I think it's been 18 months that you did this, you started out as a Kindle Unlimited author and then made the choice to go wide. And I know oh, it was yeah. a business decision and we don't have to, we don't have to get into the nitty gritty. We don't want to, but was that hard for you? Because with Kindle Unlimited, you know, we hear from some authors, they feel like they're the page reads, they're guaranteed. It's a little more like tangible because you can see each day how many pages are being read and stuff like that. So making that choice to go wide, um, how, how was that for you? Like what pushed you that way and what, you know? So it was actually something I had been talking about doing since, God, I want to say like 2018. I'd been thinking about it for a really long time. Um, so sort of the, I think the main thing that finally like sort of made everything else, the main reason that like all other reasons spring from um, is that Amazon is evil and that Kindle Unlimited is also evil. Um, which is not absolutely not to say that any author whose books are in Kindle Unlimited is evil like certainly not i this is all on amazon like kindle unlimited is their way of like trying to corner the ebook market even more than they already have um and like amazon is evil we all know this right like they're terrible to their workers they're terrible to their authors they're just sort of terrible um they're capital they're capitalists (laughs) it's america this is what you get with big business they're terrible and they like pay me a lot of money all the time. Um, so like, am I biting the hand that feeds me? Yeah, but they don't care. Um, anyway, so like, I sort of like had that underpinning 
all these opinions, but also um, I feel like Kindle Unlimited got harder and harder to like sort of stay in, like to be to like be a successful Kindle Unlimited author, you <clears throat> have to like play the algorithms right and you have to like have your book well ranked when it comes out and you have to end up spending like a lot of money to get both of those things to happen. Um, and so like some authors are really, really good at those things um, <clears throat> and can like always hit the top of KU. And like for those authors, it's super worth it to be in KU, right? Like, but I, I really started to feel like it wasn't like all the advertising money I was spending just like wasn't getting the return I was looking for. Um, and also just, it depends a lot on what you write. So like, I mean, I write high heat rom-coms, which is pretty like broad and universal. Um, and a lot of my like comp authors are traditional who are all wide. Um, so I think that for me, readers who like read what I write are a little bit more willing to like use the library or buy a $5 book or there are more of them on Kobo or Apple than for something that's more niche um, or that has most of the readership in Kindle Unlimited. Like, um, I don't even, I can't think of a good example right now, but like, and this is all kind of boring business talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. But no, yeah. it's, we asked the question because we're, we're intrigued, you know, it kind of, um, we see some authors, you know, trying to balance and figure it out and, and even though the majority of your sales might still come from Amazon, it doesn't mean that KU, that you should automatically put your books in KU. It just means that Amazon has cornered the ebook market oh, and that's and where people are buying your book. Yeah. And we like to ask the question too, because we have talked to authors that have said like when their books were wide, they didn't do as well, but when they went into that KU market, they've really thrived. And so like, we're always curious, like why an author makes a decision to go one way or the other, like in to to see what the thought process behind that is because we understand like there are KU authors that they thrive in that environment and it works for them and there are authors that thrive in the wide environment and it works for them but it's it it goes both ways and so we're always we've curious also, to see like and we've also heard from authors too that in Kindle Unlimited there's this pressure to release like six a books lot. a year a lot like you have yeah. to constantly be releasing and at the end of the day that's exhausting on top of the amount of money that you're spending and the the demand to feel like you have to stay relevant in order to yeah. achieve those markers in KU so um we're respectful of everybody's decision mm -hmm. whatever you know it, whatever people decide to do it has to be what's best for them but we're just always curious like you know, what drives you to make those choices? Cause it's different for everyone. For some mm -hmm. people, it's the ease of Kindle Unlimited, the ease that they can put it in KDP. And if it does and well, then, it does well. If it doesn't go one place and do everything in one place. But yeah, those might be more, <laughs> well, and those might be more people that we would consider hobbyist authors. They're not giving up their day job. They're just writing books as something for them. And they put them, we've interviewed a couple authors that are kind of what they call themselves hobbyist authors because mm -hmm. um, they still love their day job and being a full-time author is not in their dream. So it's, it's just always an interesting piece to see what the pushes why. people. The mm -hmm. why. We like the why. We yeah, like the and why. I think for me, there is, 
and I, I hesitate to say this because I don't want it to come out the wrong way. Um, but like my general sense of people who read a lot in Kindle Unlimited is that many readers don't necessarily like like remember the books that they have read or like I would disagree with you on that, but I'll say okay. that this I am a very prolific reader. I read a book a day. Mm -hmm. And I'm very lucky. I have an mm -hmm. amazing library system at my fingertips. And for seven years, I read a book every day, but never purchased a book. And I got them through my library system. My library supports Hoopla. And then also our Overdrive Livy app is huge and has a huge romance collection. I live in a small town also, in Ohio. Like the library is also a reason that I wanted to go wide because it made me crazy that my books went to the library. Yeah, oh, but... But to, to comment on that, I live in a small town in Pennsylvania, just a few hours from Becky and my local library, we have maybe 3000 romance novels in total that are available like electronically, but I live in a very small area. I mean, Becky is very gracious and shares her library. I share my library. Me, so I don't have to worry about that, but, but, but Kindle Unlimited, like that has, and I can read two books a day but I I'm a very very fast yeah. reader so like <laughs> but like I I've have gotten I've like met so many new authors like through KU that I would not have read because of like my small library system and we do believe Amazon is the devil yeah. but we've also <laughs> seen that KU can also be a balancer we have a mm -hmm. couple of we have a huge listener fellowship in Chile and in Brazil for whatever uh -huh. reason. Wow. And um, but, but their libraries they don't have library are vastly different than like they yeah. don't have them. It's in classical Slovak. novels, it's educational material, <clears throat> and it's all in native languages or like in Portuguese, like in Brazil, our one listener, her stuff is all in Bra Brazil. It's all in Portuguese. Portuguese, yeah. She prefers to read in English. So Kindle Unlimited creates accessibility it's a, for it's her. It's been a game changer for her yeah. because she, she has that option. Libby and Overdrive. But then so, we also, like, we've talked to authors um, who they live in areas where KU doesn't exist for them. So they are right. wide so that their neighbors can read their books. So it's one, it's, we just. I think it's just, it's, it's personal. It's kind of like, why mm -hmm. do I choose not to wear, you know, denim and prefer only to wear soft pants? It's a very personal decision, I think, for authors too. Like, you know. And it, Amazon is the devil, but it's hilarious because with the change in book talk, all of a sudden Barnes and Noble has become like the best thing ever. Everybody loves Barnes and Noble, except if you were around in the end of the nineties and the early 2000s, Barnes and Noble was the devil. Barnes and Noble was the devil. Like, yeah, we hated uh -huh. Barnes and Noble. We everybody know. hated them. Now they were destroying like, bookstores. Right. So I think yeah. it's all perspective. Um, well, and it's and all like going to, it's going to go full circle. So do, I mean, I subscribe to KU and I read books through KU. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I really like a book, I'll, my general rule is like, if I want to reread a book, I have to buy it. Mm -hmm. Like whether I got it from the library or got from KU, just like, cause if I'm rereading then I know I'm going to like need it to be mine. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like my general thing. And like, I don't know, I know that KU is really, really helpful for a lot of people who really like to read and like cannot buy every book. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, 
and don't have good library systems. Like I'm also super lucky the LA library system has almost every romance novel I've ever tried to read. Um, not everyone, but like anything Tradpop is going to have. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of indie stuff too. Um, I mean, yeah, see, mine is lacking in indie. Mine is lacking in indie. Like I go in constantly and request indie authors that are wide indie authors. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's Amazon. They're the devil. We get it. <laughs> oh, it is always, it's always an interesting topic um, of conversation. So before we get to your upcoming release, I, we've been asking this question to authors over the last couple episodes um, because we're really intrigued by this. You have a large ba- backlist. You're getting ready to release book 16. Um, mm-hmm. If someone is just finding you right now as an author as to what you write, like how you're writing right now, what book would you have them pick up? What is the best representation of you as an author currently? So the book you should pick up uh, is free. It's called Enemies with Benefits. Um, it is the first Loveless Brothers book. And that whole series is like, uh, it's, a story about, it's a series about five brothers. They're all like fairly low angst, high heat, like rom-coms. They're not, they're like pretty funny. Um, they're not like super hijinksy rom-coms, mm-hmm. but they're just like funny books because I'm funny. Um, so that one's a pretty good example. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of banter. It's enemies to lovers, um, as you can probably tell by the title enemies of benefits. Now you know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just a good representation of like, I love writing banter. Mm-hmm. I like writing chemistry between people. Um, it's a pretty fun book and also it's free. So go pick it there up. you go. That's a good place to uh-huh. start. Okay. So the one month boyfriend releases May 24th. There's a um, lot of books coming out that day. Oh it's a good gosh, anniversary so for me. It's so well, good. Oh, I know uh, Alexis Hall's new one is coming out. I know that uh, Renna Morgan has one coming out that day. Kilby Blades has one out that day. I could list. I will not do that I for you. Know, Kilby has one coming out. It's fine. Yes, her Entangled, It Takes a Villa um, mm-hmm. from Entangled is oh, coming out that I've day. Oh, I've seen that. Okay. Um, okay, I so the cover, the cover of the one month boyfriend, though, has a different feel than your previous books it's illustrated it <laughs> is illustrated i am a sucker for an illustrated book like if it's illustrated i'm buying me it too leah makes fun of me. because we don't read the paperbacks we, we just don't. like to buy i mean as you can see behind me not every nobody else can see but i have shelves full but i've never opened but them. we only read ebooks so we buy them like twice um, but this has a different feel. What was some of the reasoning just that you love the illustrated cover? Um, I really like illustrated covers. Mm-hmm. They're, um, in some ways, they're easier. I think they're cute. I think they're fun. I kind of, back when I was releasing the first Loveless books, I sort of thought about doing illustrated. Um, but at the time, I was still in KU when, like, and Manchester was really still king back then. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought that to be in KU and like be competitive at all, I needed to have like hot men on the cover. Um, so I went with the like highlighter colored backgrounds instead. Um, but I like illustrated covers a lot. I think they're cute. They're a little bit closer to like traditional published books, which are very illustrated cover heavy. Um, and so I like that feel for it. Um, 
I hate looking for models for books with the power <laughs> of 1,000 suns. <laughs> like, it's so hard. Like, even, even, like, finding the right hot man to do, like, a custom shoot for you, which I've never managed to do in time. Um, just, like, they're so expensive. They're, it's still hard to find the right person because, like, I almost always like have characters in mind already. So like mm -hmm. finding somebody who looks right and can make the right sexy face is so hard. Um, mm -hmm. And they can be so expensive. I always and tell like, authors, I always tell authors, get a photo release, go on a college campus and just start randomly taking pictures of young men. I'm pretty sure they will do it for $25 or a beer. I mean, just, just a beer. Just a beer. Yeah, but like the good lighting and like... <laughs> I feel like you, when I've gotten the really expensive pictures, like you can tell because they're so yeah. incredible. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. yeah, no, um, trying to find male models for books made me want to die. Um, and like, I think they're cute. And for me, a uh, thing is like this way I can have couples on models and couples on, what are they called? Books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, couples on the cover. <laughs> because like, if you think finding one person to put on a book cover is hard, like try finding two. It's, yeah. I've never even bothered. Like, why would I? Um, oh, but you write the rom-com too. So when I see an illustrated cover, like I think rom-com, like I, right. I get real like bent out of shape if I see an illustrated cover and it is not a rom-com. Yeah. I mean, it's also like on market for me. It's on brand. Mm -hmm. um, like at most traditional rom-coms have illustrated covers these days uh and because of that like I mean like Tessa Bailey is writing things with illustrated covers so I think we're done with the expectation that illustrated cover equals like sex-free chiclet mm -hmm. because like we all read it happened one summer that has an illustrated cover we're, we're over this now right yeah <laughs> um is if it's indie if it's trad I still question it I've been burned one too uh, many times. Yeah. Trad, yeah, so like there is that The rare. trads have burned me. But it's the trad burn, not the indie burn. No. It's like a dirty like euphemism or something. Like yeah, a right. trad burn. <laughs> anyway, feel free. There's so many good <laughs> out of context quotes for this week. There are. Jenny's going to have a field day. Um, she really is. Okay, so give us a little bit of what, even though I'm not a blurb reader, <laughs> What is the one month boyfriend? Is this starting a new series for you? Is this a standalone? Nope, it's starting a new series. Um, the the male lead in this one like made some appearances in the last series. Like it's it's set in the same town, but it's a whole new series. Like you do not need to read anything to get into this properly. I promise you. Um, but it is an enemies to lovers fake dating book. Um, about like. A sunshiny guy and a grumpy woman. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah, it's like she is grumpy, he's sunshine. Like the dude is a golden retriever of a man with like some past trauma. <laughs> and she's like an anxious person who like comes off as pretty bitchy a lot of the times because of her anxiety. And they agree to have a fake relationship to get revenge on her ex. Um, so it's like revenge fake dating, which is also fun. And I like all of these things. Then they kiss. 
and then they and then things happen <laughs> but I do I love a grumpy sunshine but when it's like a reverse grumpy sunshine like I it's like crack for me it's just so good it was really fun to write um I think because like the like she's grumpy he's sunshine dynamic is like mm-hmm. what we all want right in life like I just want to be grumpy but <laughs> I keep going off stop um <laughs> Like, I just want to be grumpy and have a man, like, love me and bring me snacks anyway. Like, I mean, I, mean, I, I am kind of grumpy, so it works. Right? I'm pretty grumpy sometimes. I'm, I am the grumpy one, and he is the nice guy. And I don't know if, I don't know if mine is the nice guy, but he's definitely oh, not as grumpy as I am. Mine is definitely the nice guy, so I do, I do love that. Um, okay, so the one month boyfriend releasing May 24th, you will be able to buy it wherever you get your books. Um, Roxy, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the one month boyfriend releases May 24th, and that is available wherever you get books. I'm telling you. My anniversary is going to be so good this year. Just so many good books. Just because of the books. I so you're going to ignore your my spouse oh my God, <laughs> just yes. read books? It's the middle of the week, isn't it? I think he works. Yeah, it's a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. He's, he'll be at work. I don't have to pay attention to him. Um, so summer reading is coming. Summer reading is coming. I'm um, so excited. We are currently doing our early registration. We announced all the participating authors on our Instagram live on May the 5th. You can go back and watch that. Just Becky. Just Just Becky did that. Um, It was quick and fast, but you can also find the full list on our website. Um, We have 35 participating authors this summer, along with the rules are on our website. And we actually do have rules this year. There. Uh, But, you know, like... We're not super strict on the rules. There's just, there are a couple basics that you have to follow. Um, make sure you register early for your chance at a buzzing about romance summer reading survival pack. We will give you some tools to help you with your summer reading challenge. Um, challenge. challenge calendars and prompts. You totally forgot that you had to keep going. I did. Will be available on the website, um, buzzingaboutromance.com on May 20th and it also in our May 27th summer reading challenge newsletter. So I am going to put, I, and I don't use I loosely there, like just I will put, I'm putting together a special summer reading newsletter that we will send out to you. Um, members of the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon will have access, access, access. Oh my God. The members of the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon will have access to the prompts on May 13th. Members of the Cold Brew or Queen Bee tier will receive a special summer reading challenge journal in the mail uh, the, by like around May 16th, 18th. Uh, Fancy Drinks tier will have a digital download um, on May 16th of the journal. Hey, so, Becky, it's that time. For book. Book. Of. Of. The. The. Week. week okay what was your book of the week so i'm doing a reread and mm-hmm. actually funny thing is is i was sharing that i was doing a reread and a person named lisa 
thought that I had never read these books before and she was going to drive to my house and beat my butt um, and have all the words for me. Let's not tell Lisa that I have not read these ones yet. I will will not tell her. Um, So I recently did a reread of Wicked Fall. I am over the course of the next week working my way through all the Wicked Horse series. Um, But after reading a book in March that was centered around a sex club, it got me in the mood to revisit some of my favorite sex club romances. Um, And one of the things that I love most about this Wicked Horse series is the intimacy in this, you know, when you get sometimes the kink and the sex, mm-hmm. intimacy sometimes becomes an afterthought. The caring of your partner. And one of the things that Sawyer Bennett does amazingly well in the Wicked Horse series is creates into intimacy. It's more than just the sex acts. It's the actions that show that you care and what goes into trusting someone on that kind of level. Um, Mm -hmm. and so Wolf and Callie from Wicked Horse are sexy and they're hot. Is it Callie? Callie. No. Yeah. Is it? Is it I just read it. Okay. Yes. Wolf and Callie. What do you think it is? I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing books. I was reading blurbs. I was blurbing hard today. (laughs) Anyway, it's Wolf and Callie. Anyway, it's very good. Everyone should read it. What was your book, Leah? My book I mentioned it in the episode already, but it is Reason to Believe by Rebecca Yaros. This woman, she will break you and then she will put you together again. But this was released on April 26th and I have a really big book hangover from it. It's a brother's best friend, forbidden love, friends to lovers with a foster care situation, which is really near and dear to Rebecca's heart, which I thought she treated it so super well. And I definitely cried like two or three times, but she... She is just, she is so good with her words. And this is the start of a brand new series in the world building that she did. I am so excited to see like where she takes this series. It's a series of firefighters that are like bringing the, this crew back to their small town after um, a tragedy happened years before. And the love that like Knox and Harper have for each other and like the, the way their story plays out, like, it's just, it is an excellent book. If you see it on my top reads list, don't be surprised. Be surprised. Um, so a Patreon update. Uh, we appreciate our Patreon supporters and would not be able to bring you the podcast without them. Uh, we currently have four open tiers on Patreon. Those start at $5 a month and include membership to Drunk Book Club plus some exclusive content. Uh, Our first goal is to reach 40 Patreon members. Once we reach that, we will host another epic giveaway. Um, And our big goal is to reach 500 Patreons. So if you would like to continue to see the podcast uh, grow and um, be in your ears listening to us, consider going over and supporting us on Patreon. So next Drunk Book Club, which is one of the best nights of the month, is May 21st. We will be joined by author duo Max Monroe, and we are reading My my Brother's Billionaire Best Friend, and Max and Monroe will be joining us for the night, so we are super excited about that. Drunk Book Club is is an exclusive event for our Patreon members. You can find details at Bookcase and Coffee, but if you would like to try us out, and you think that you can handle our chaos, 
just send us an email at the bees at bookcaseandcoffee.com. And you can, we do like, we generally let people try us out one month, see if we're for you. If you are, that's great. If not, that's okay too. Yeah. Cause we're a lot. We are a lot. Um, so I am kind of doing a project. Well, buzzing about romance is doing a project with Sawyer Bennett. We are going to plot a book. Um, have you ever wondered what goes into plotting a book? Sawyer Bennett, along with the Buzzing About Romance podcast, are going to be live on the third Thursday of the month for May 19th, June 16th, and July 21st on the TikTok as we crowdsource live plotting a novella with Sawyer. Um, make sure you follow both Buzzing About Romance and author Sawyer Bennett on TikTok. Uh, the, these will be linked in our on-the-shelf show notes. But speaking of TikTok... We need you to get Leah more followers. Hey, I think like, I have like 30 now. No, you're lying. It's 26. I looked today. <laughs> I thought you were at 63. You are at 26. How, how do you keep transposing? Oh, I think you're looking at my followers for my yeah. following. You might be following 63 people. Um, in order for Leah, numbers. In order for Leah and I to do any live streaming on TikTok together, we have to get Leah to at least a thousand TikTok followers. Make sure you check our on the shelf. I like the TikTok. I know. That's part of the problem. Make sure you check our on the shelf show notes for Leah's TikTok handle so that you can no, follow I have Leah. 24. I'm looking currently. So we need you to follow author Sawyer Bennett. We need you to follow Buzzing About Leah. Romance. And Buzzing About Leah. Romance has over a thousand. So you just we need do. to follow me. Well, but you but should we... follow Buzzing too, because Girl Child, Becky's Girl Child, puts together some wonderful tick attack. She does. Videos. She did really creative one. We came up with the idea of making the sun out of books for Grumpy Sunshine Book Recs. I know that was a really good one. I liked it a lot. Okay. Tell us about our current challenge. So spring filling bingo challenge is in the final month, but it is still going on. So when we think spring, we think mud and dirt, new life and growth. We think of all of the new plans and hope to come at the start of spring. And we are providing you with a guide to get rid of the gray skies of winter and embrace the warmer days and of course, spicy books. So it isn't too late to get started. If you check out the events page on our website, you will get all the information. You will find the bingo square. There are lots of fun squares. Like, did you read a book with a pierced penis? Perhaps. Well, Carrie messaged me today and she was like, I'm listening to The Billionaire. And bonus, there's rope play in it. And I needed that square. Yes. It's been a while since I've read it. So, so can, she was all like, she was excited because she's like drunk book club book and no, a, the billionaire by Marnie Mann. Oh yeah. No, there's totally, no, she was reading the lawyer or the lawyer. Or she, no, the lawyer. I don't know. Or did she, she read a book and there was surprise rope play and she was happy. Surprise, surprise rope play is always the best rope play. Also, if you need book recs to fill any of your squares, let us know. We have all the book recs. Because we have all the recs. We do. We, uh, we really do. We do. On our next episode of Buzzing About Romance, Leah and I are facing off. We are. So Becky and I had a conversation about how typically it is Becky against somebody or me against somebody. So we decided that we need to go head to head in our next challenge. We are. And so we are creating a pool of 20 uh, siblings, best friend romances, and mm -hmm. we are going to pull our favorites. 
Uh, we will be joined by podcast contributor Heather, Minnesota Hockey Mom Reads, mm-hmm. as she moderates, judges, or tells us to stop talking as the two of us battle it out. Did you like that? Did you like yeah. the way I wrote that? She's going to have to use her teacher voice. She might have to use her teacher voice. Yeah, because you but break yeah, the so- rules. <laughs> you break the rules. You break the rules. We both break. They're just guidelines. You break the rules. Anyway, so I'm excited to do that. I've been going through my list of brother's best friend, sibling's best friend, um, to come up with a list of all the books. So anyway, there is that. It's going to be a good time. It will. It's going to so be, be chaos. I'm excited for it. Join us next time, everyone, where we battle it out with the sibling's best friends. Um, until next time, everyone. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.